Hello, and welcome to this FRDH podcast. I'm Michael Goldfarb. This episode is from my archive. Many Christmases ago, I was lucky enough to spend time with the boys of King's College Choir in Cambridge as they prepared for their annual Christmas Eve service. Once in Royal David City, the traditional opening carol in the Festival of Nine Lessons and Carols sung by the choir of King's College in Cambridge and broadcast from King's Live by the BBC each Christmas Eve. The choir's distinctive sound comes from its contingent of 16 boy sopranos, all students at King's College School. Oh my God! Right, have a good day. Bye-bye. Did Mention give you some lip yeah. Yeah, I've got some of those. Just past eight on a pale winter morning, and a group of schoolboys are giving the lie to Shakespeare, not creeping like snails unwillingly to school, but striding purposefully to the rehearsal room for morning choir practice. There has been a school associated with King's College, Cambridge, since it was founded. The king in question is Henry VI, who established the college in the middle of the 15th century. The original charter called for a chapel to be built and for a special school to educate the boy sopranos, called trebles, who would be part of the choir that sang there. Today, King's College School is a prep school running from kindergarten to the equivalent of ninth grade. In addition to the choristers, there are 300 other students. Most of their classmates live at home, but the choristers must live at the school. The choristers are between 10 and 13 years old. They're selected through a rolling admission process. Most do not come from a trained music background. They're selected more for their innate musicality, according to music director Stephen Cleoberry. Each child has a voice which is unique to himself. And so the main aim is to help them develop that instrument to its full potential and to teach them how to integrate the voice that they have, the sound that they make, into the whole picture. This morning's rehearsal is focused on the motet Ave Maria by the 16th century composer Robert Parsons. The 8 a.m. rehearsal is not the start of the boys' music day. They have to study piano and one other instrument. The important thing to understand about this remarkable group is that their relationship to music is different from those of musical prodigies. Talking to Fergus Thurwell, I got the sense that for him, music wasn't a calling so much as all he knew from his academic environment. Oh, I didn't really have any old friends because I came to the school when I was four or something like that, so I've just made all my friends that I have now. Fergus has a particular taste in the music he sings. Like if we sing Lassus, it's quite boring. But sing what? Lassus, it's early music. Like, um, some, some of it's quite nice, but usually we enjoy singing the modern pieces by jazzy and stuff. Few of the boys will take up professional performing careers, although most will have music in their lives, although perhaps not to the degree that Fergus Thurwell dreams of. For a bit I wanted to be a pop star, but I don't anymore. 
I don't know. Was Why don't you want to be a pop star? Because, I don't know, I don't think it suits me. I prefer to be a songwriter. <laughs> the second rehearsal of the day is in the late afternoon. The boys put on their Eaton's morning suit, ruffled shirt, and top hat similar to the outfit worn at the famous public school Eaton, also founded by Henry VI, and walk from the school over the backs to the chapel for full choir rehearsal. It's a bit of a local spectacle, this daily parade. In the chapel, the choristers meet up with the more adult members of the choir. More adult, but not entirely mature. They're all undergraduates at King's College, and Cleoberry begins his no-nonsense rehearsal, working through the Parsons Motet with the full choir. essential component to the King's College sound, the chapel itself, a masterpiece of late Gothic architecture. King's College Chapel is a rectangular box as long as a football field, 40 feet wide and 80 feet high. The ceiling is masonry sculpted into fan shapes. The sound ripples along the stone like a stream at the source, breaking forth from the ground and babbling over rocks. The sound is transporting, and listening to the boys sing, you're struck by the music's beauty and this sad fact. For all of them, their gift is fleeting. Puberty strikes, their voices break, and their days in the choir are over. I asked music director Stephen Cleoberry if there were any voices that were so beautiful he wished they would never grow old. Oh, undoubtedly, it's a sad thing for me when I, you know, because often. Now that boys' voices change at uh, an earlier age than used to be the case. Really? Uh, oh, yes. I mean, Bach, when he was a... He himself was a boy treble, and uh, indeed the boy trebles that he trained at St. Thomas in Leipzig, you know, he would be having boys singing soprano up to the age of 16 or 17. Well, now it's very rare for them to get much beyond 14. sense I mean it's no different from life is it I mean life is like a flower um, we were singing the Brahms Requiem last night in chapel with the university chorus behold all flesh is as the grass you know it groweth up and withereth and that's certainly true of a, of a boy's voice in a very particular sense well you're trying to train them to achieve a good potential and degree of experience 
and quality of sound, you know, before that time comes when the voice changes. And that can be for them, it varies from boy to boy. For some of them it's a point of great sadness and regret. For others, it's a release. But sick transit, the glory of the choir remains. And Christmas is when the ever-changing cast of voices glows most brightly. for listening to this FRDH podcast. You can hear more from my archive and new episodes at the website www.goldfarbpod.com. There is also a donation button there. Please donate to keep the podcasts coming.